You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, Monday edition, breaking down everything we saw from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, week 16. A lot of games, a lot of playoff implications, some top of the draft implications. We do know now who will be picking number one in the 2021 NFL draft. Some stuff still to shake out with playoff scenarios, though, uh, through week 17. This football season has been extremely different. Regular season almost at the end. But Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. At BD Peacock on Twitter is where you can find me, my co-host Matt Williamson, at Williamson NFL. L. Uh, wow, a lot of games to get to here, Matt. I guess we should just go chronologically, start Friday, hit Saturday, and and roll through all these Sunday games. Some wild stuff there, specifically with uh, play callers for that Lions game. But um, I guess let's get going with this Friday game. Vikings at Saints and Alvin Kamara uh, single-handedly winning some folks probably their fantasy championships with his six touchdown runs. Yeah, how about that? I mean, just totally blew up. Um, so much stuff to cover. We might have to drift a little bit into tomorrow so we're gonna have to probably be quick with these are you confident that the saints are a big time contender i mean i have them high in my power ranks i guess breeze is a little better and maybe michael thomas gets back in the equation and all that but um they're not i guess all these teams are far from perfect is where i'm gonna go at the top of the league That's the thing I would say is they're all far from perfect. And even the Chiefs who are, you know, the one seed and and lock that up, it's not easy for them either. So uh, I think anything can happen any week. We've seen some bad teams beat some good teams. We've seen the Jets win a couple games and the Bengals win some games. And um, I mean, the Saints put 52 points up on the Vikings. So they obviously have enough offensive firepower, even without Michael Thomas. But getting Michael Thomas back will be uh, really key there. And seeing Drew Brees, and Drew Brees didn't play great in this game. I think that's why they, no. <laughs> they ran the ball so much. And plus, they had a lead there. He, he had zero uh, touchdowns and two interceptions in that game. But yeah, getting Brees right and Michael Thomas back will be huge. And, and I think the Saints would still be my favorite just because they're the most complete team in the NFC. But man, the 22 carries for 155 yards and six touchdowns for Alvin Kamara. That, just yeah. wow. I love watching Kamara play. We've talked about it before just how smooth he is. He, he He's not in a hurry. He's not the biggest guy. He's not even really the fastest guy, even though he's got some nice bursts to him. He's just so smooth. He knows where the hole's going to be. And if it's not there, he finds it. No rush and then hits it. And he's really hard to tackle and a little bit squirrely and has a little bit more power than his slim frame looks like he has. Yeah, it very. It, all those things are 100% true. And the one thing I definitely want to add to that is ridiculous contact balance. I mean, he always mm-hmm. has a good base under him, takes shots from the side, head on. He can be slippery and, and not take the full impact and often keeps his feet when other backs wouldn't. I mean, he's really a great player, and we didn't even mention his receiving skills, which they didn't need to this one. His counterpart in Minnesota is not so bad either, but they were pretty badly outplayed in this game. You know who Calvin, Alvin Kamara reminds me of now that you, you mentioned that contact balance and the way he runs? He's like a early 
Madden video game character. You remember in the old Madden days, like early 90s games, the, the OG Maddens, where uh, if you did a little hurdle and you got hit by a player, you didn't get go down. You just got pushed over to the side a little bit and then kept your feet and kept going <laughs> and, you know, spin move. And uh, th- that's kind of what Alvin Kamara reminds me of. Shockingly, I mean, we don't have enough time to go down this rabbit hole, but I was never a Madden guy. I'm not much of a gamer. So as I've been told, don't get me wrong, but you would think with my football <laughs> background, I would have a little Madden in me, but I don't really know the game that well. That's sad. That's sad. Ask your kids. It is. Well, actually, you know, you're, <laughs> well, your my kid, son does. <laughs> well, your kids are too young to know the early Madden days true, either. True. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's a retro box somewhere around. You could play some, some old Maddens. The, the old Maddens in the snow were fun watching little players <laughs> slide around. All right. Um, by the way, have you noticed the new camera they're using, like the 8K camera that does these close-ups, and it looks almost like Madden. It looks like real-life replicating a video game almost with the the way the the speed is on the camera. I don't even know what the effect is, but somehow it looks so weird, and it looks almost unreal when they do these close-ups after touchdowns with some players. Yeah, I absolutely have noticed it, and that was my first comment. I'm sitting there with my son, and the first time I noticed it, it might have been last week, and I said... This is like watching you play Madden, you know, except that they're not, you know, they're, they're real people. I mean, it, it does have a really weird effect, and I think it's cool. Keep it up. I love it. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I thought they just actually, I thought it was a Madden-sponsored thing at first where they threw in a Madden cutscene. I was like, oh, no, that's a live shot right yeah, now. It took, it's pretty amazing. It threw me for a loop. Yep. All right. A whole new set of uh, new TVs and new technology for next year's Christmas with that 8K. That'll be fun. And uh, new big screens, and we'll have we'll have that 8K thing going. I'm sure uh, full time at some point very soon. The technology definitely never stops. All right, let's move it along to the Saturday games where we had just an insane one. I I mentioned it just for a second at the top there with the Buccaneers beating the Lions 47 to seven, and Tom Brady sitting at halftime after 350 yards and four touchdown passes. But the story was the Lions with what happened to their coaching staff, and they've already fired their head coach. Then interim head coach goes into COVID protocol, as do a bunch of defensive coaches. So they've got their wide receiver coach, Robert Prince, acting as head coach. They've got their quarterbacks coach calling plays on offense. They've got an analytics guy calling plays on defense. I mean, how did they allow this <laughs> right. game to happen? This this game should be happening Monday night, maybe. I mean, or, or I mean, that, I guess they just didn't care about this game and care about the Lions. But this is almost as bad as, as losing an entire position group. Probably worse in a lot of cases than even when the Broncos lost all their quarterbacks earlier this year. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking the same thing. Like. Is it harder to play without a NFL quarterback or without a coaching staff? And basically the same results, except for the Saints didn't score a million points and sit their Hall of Fame quarterback at at halftime. Um, I don't even know what to take of it. I mean, I guess that's what you expect from the Bucs. And then compiling things, Matthew Stafford gets hurt on, what, the first series and doesn't return? Like, the only stabilizing force yeah. you have, boom, gone. <laughs> and actually, Stafford literally should probably be the person calling the plays, right? That would actually have been a lot right. more fun That's if Stafford was allowed to play smart. the whole game. It's like, all right, go for it. Old school. Let, call the plays. Let the quarterback call the plays. That would have been kind of fun. That's actually a great idea. It's probably what they should have done because he knows his surroundings, the way the game flows probably better than anyone. Big game for Mike Evans. You're talking about fantasy days. Come oh, on, yeah, Evans. absolutely. Yeah, that was huge. So you, you needed uh, someone like Mike Evans to counteract Alvin Kamara if you had that in your fantasy league. I would love to hear about some of those matchups that some people had and thought it was over until uh, they had Mike Evans show up and thought, okay, now I have some, uh, maybe I have a little bit of a chance here in my fantasy 
finals matchup. That would be interesting, actually, to hear from how many of you out there had Kamara and actually still lost because it's still possible. I mean, 50 something points is fine. If, but uh, if you lay a bunch of eggs around that, that'd be interesting. Hit me up at BD Peacock uh, or at Williamson NFL. We'd love to see some of those bad beats you had if you had Kamara right. and still lost. I guess I'll throw mine out because okay. I'm oh, in seven you? dynasty leagues and three of them I made the Super Bowl. It had Kamara in all three. How about that? Wow. Okay. But, well, well managed teams there, GM. Williamson. Not too bad. Not too bad. Yeah, I did really well, except for, I guess I'll just jump ahead and just bring you the punchline. This one league, it's called the Hyperactive League, and I won my division, but in week 16, you played the winner of the other division, and that guy had Kamara too. So, you know, I I play, I had Kamara in that league, played against the dude that had Kamara, and going into last night's game, we were dead even. He had Devontae Adams. I had Derrick Henry and Aaron Jones, and I'm going into that game going, oh, I'm in pretty good shape. Adams is a stud, and he blew me out. So yeah. I, that's the only uh, one I lost. You thought maybe a little snow on the ground, that's going to help Henry. Right. Yeah, but, uh, but uh, no. interesting. Very. I mean, Devontae Adams is man, we'll that, that connection. Wow. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit. We've got to move on a little bit faster. The, uh, one more aspect, though, of this Lions <laughs> game and the play calling and similar to that that Denver game with the quarterback, it's it's – it's a slap. It's a smack in the face for fans because you see this a lot. Fans are like, I could call plays better than so and so, or I could throw a better pass than so and so. And then when you see actual professionals that are coaches that are in the league, that they get thrust into those positions out of nowhere, and you see how bad that can go. Yeah, you can't throw better than Drew Locke or Nick Mullins or whatever <laughs> no. quarterback you say you're better than. You're not better than that person, and you can't call play plays better than any play caller at the college or pro level. That's just uh, the not reality of the close. situation. Uh, real quick, one more uh, Sunday or a couple more Sunday games, actually, or Saturday games, excuse me here. Uh, we had the Dolphins. This one, I had a loss. I had the Dolphins by three. I thought they had this one with the Raiders, uh, but the Raiders found another way to lose. They had a late lead, played for the field goal. Dolphins came back. Fitz magic, one of the most magical plays we've seen in a while with his face turned around backwards, beat the cover two, found Mac Hollins, set up a field goal. And the Dolphins beat the Raiders, knocking the Raiders officially out of the playoff hunt. Although I think we all knew they weren't going to get there anyway. And just another bad end to another Gruden season there um, in in Las Vegas. Yeah, we, we skipped your Niners, by the way, but that's okay. We'll get back. We'll get to, to the Niners. No big yeah. deal. Um, that Dolphins Raider game was not super exciting until Fitzpatrick got in the game. It was like. Do, 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 you know, like the yeah. sort of key, the circus music and whole new energy. And that's not even a knock on Tua, but the, that was last couple of minutes back and forth. And you mentioned, you know, how the game went was extremely entertaining. And now the Dolphins are in a really good spot and the Raiders are out. How do you feel about Brian Flores and sort of artistically utilizing both of his quarterbacks and having two guys that he can use at once. Cause generally the saying goes, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Uh, this is one of the few situations where it's kind of working right now. I guess it is. I mean, deep down, I think Fitz is the better player and would give them a better ch chance to advance in the playoffs, but you're also kind of riding the fence between now and later too, you know, give to as much an opportunity as you possibly can and he's not a liability, but he doesn't – he's not aggressive. You know, I mean, he's hes still learning what you can get away with in this league, and we'll see if he does or not, where Fitz is aggressive. It's also amazing that it's 
sort of flipped what you would expect it to be. It would be usually like the veteran who's playing it safe, and then you have the young rookie who comes in and makes bigger plays but might be susceptible to more interceptions or something like that and turning the ball over, but it's the exact opposite. And Brian Flores already said, you know, Tua's the guy. Tua's going to start next week, and is sort of the guy that plays the more complimentary brand of football and don't turn right. the ball over and play it safe. And then Fitz comes in, and he's the, the wild card that could – make some big plays and, and could also has one of the highest turnover rates in the NFL. So that's just such a strange group there, but I love the way right now, at least it's working the way Brian Flores is playing it with, with both guys and any guy could play pretty much at any moment, but you know, two is the quote unquote starter and he's the, the young guy that they're going to believe in going forward. And I think there's a lot more there with Tua. So, I mean, maybe this is just a new way to break a quarterback in and it doesn't have to be one quarterback 100% of the time, as long as both QBs are on board and, and those guys seem like they're getting along great, which is a huge factor in it all. Yeah. And I think that, that, that's, that, to me, that's the biggest point is I think there's a, a mentor mentality already in the quarterback room, a respect for one another to his abilities, what he's going to bring to the table, what Fitz can offer as a mentor and, and what he brings now. And they often talk about what an amazing communicator Flores is that has to be the case, or this wouldn't be working as well as it is. Everybody bought in there in Miami, which is a good sign for them. I'm wondering at what point their offensive weapons might be not enough to continue to win games. Yeah. Maybe we'll see that happen in the playoffs, but Miles Gaskin, don't look now. Uh, he came back and had a really big game there. Five catches for 82 yards, a couple uh, touchdowns receiving to go along with his 87 yards rushing, averaging over six yards per carry against that Raiders defense. And his last few games, going back to before the injury, he's put up some really good numbers in that Miami backfield. So uh, maybe their offensive weapons are going to be enough for the time being. Who knows? Yeah, and this is more of an offseason conversation, but I wonder if it's almost like Jacksonville where we kind of stumbled into this back who's pretty good. Should we use all our resources elsewhere? And yes. one other Miami note that we'll get to, they were pretty happy that since he beat Houston too, like they're sitting pretty for the draft. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, a ton more games to get to, so we will have to be quicker and I, and I will get to those, that Niners Cardinals game and Niners trying to play spoiler for Arizona from Saturday. And then as many Sunday games as we can get to, might have to save some for tomorrow coming up on Peacock and Williamson. A lot to be decided as the NFL regular season is rapidly coming to a close. College football bowl season. Get some action on some of this action. There is only one place that has you covered, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Not only football games, we've got college football games coming up, bowl season, tons of prop bets for the offseason where coaches will go, where players will get drafted. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Locked on to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Just when you think the 49ers can't win a football game, they go and beat a division rival, the Arizona Cardinals, and, and make things very difficult on the Cardinals. The Cards don't control their own destiny anymore at 8 and 7 after losing to the 6 and 9 San Francisco 49ers 20 to 12. Uh, what did you see in this when I saw a team in San Francisco that again played great defense under Robert Sala despite missing more players? Uh, they didn't have the rookie first rounder Javon Kinlaw in there. They didn't have their cornerback in Richard Sherman. They didn't have a starting safety in Jimmy Ward and still 
week in, week out, play great defense. But the difference this time is that they ran the heck out of the ball, eight yards per carry with Jeff Wilson, and their quarterback didn't turn the ball over, which is a recipe for victory for the San Francisco team this year. Yeah, uh, the defense really stood out, kind of led by Fred Warner. I mean, who it might be the best linebacker in football, to it's be done. very honest with you. They, they really did a nice job limiting DeAndre Hopkins, but they flew around the ball and played with a, a very active defense, in my opinion, which you have to do against Kyler. Um, pretty much bottled him up, and, and I don't hold this too much against Murray, but didn't have his best day, and I think a lot of that had to do with the opponent. I mean, they averaged, you kind of touched on it, the Niners averaged 7.2 yards per play, Arizona averaged 4.4 yards per play, and it was all about the Niners' running game. They just ran down their throats. Crazy. Jeff Wilson, an undrafted yeah. free agent, 22 carries, 183 yards in that game. He also had a 21-yard touchdown reception out of the backfield, and what's funny is uh, C.J. Wilson had the same amount of or, uh, <laughs> put them together there. Uh, Jeff Wilson had the same amount of carries at running back as C.J. Beathard had throwing the ball 22 hmm. attempts. And Wilson had one more yard rushing 183 than Beathard had passing 182, which is kind of wild. And he did find That's great. Um, Kyle Juszczyk out of the backfield a couple times for touchdowns. C.J. Beathard did. But this game was all about the ground game and, and not allowing the quarterback to turn the ball over. They did not put the game on C.J. Beathard's shoulders, even though it looks like a pretty good line with his three touchdowns. There, uh, they were short touchdowns. Everything out of the backfield. They only targeted wide receivers four times in the game and had two receptions: one for Ayuk, one for Kendrick Bourne. So that can tell you uh, what what happened there with that game plan for Kyle Shanahan is run the ball, and when they can run the ball like that, they don't need to do much else. And we saw it in the NFC Championship game last year for San Francisco. And oh yeah, they got George Kittle back, which is was a huge boost both the passing game and the running game. There's there's one running play where he just caved in the defensive end and crushed him all the way over to where the opposite defensive end was lined up before the play on the other side of the line of scrimmage and uh, was a gaping hole for Jeff Wilson to run through. So George Kittle's such a huge boost to that 49ers team. So that shouldn't go without stating too, even though he only had four catches, but had a nice average, a nice catch and run on a couple of them, had 92 yards on those four receptions. Uh, one other thing that stood out to this in this game, which I think is key for teams that are playing against athletic quarterbacks, we've seen a little bit with Lamar Jackson this year and certainly with Kyler Murray, is the difference in the Week 1 game and the Week 16 game with the 49ers and Cardinals is Robert Sala's defense played a little bit more on their heels. They allowed DeAndre Hopkins to catch everything in the first meeting, allowed and tried to contain Murray to run around in the pocket this time they went after him blitzed a lot yeah, tried to chase him down and force the issue and allowed their corners even without Sherman uh to to man up and and play tighter with their wide receivers and and make those catches more difficult and it worked that way be more aggressive against these guys don't just sit back and, and let them do what they need to do and try to play contain because I think that's just going to allow them to find cracks eventually in your defense yeah that's an exceptional point and you know just kind of like we talked about earlier though too uh, there was every game we've talked about, you know, before we even got to Sunday had a massive fantasy game changer, Kamara, Evans, Gaskin, Wilson, you know, like yes. there were some big dogs in, in the fantasy Super Bowls this year. Absolutely. Yeah. And some of those where it's like, okay, if it's a Shanahan running back, no, he most are, Start Jeff Wilson, and that's always a lesson you're going to learn. It's like if Shanahan's got a running back, uh, no matter it's the starter or the backup or undrafted or wherever this player was drafted, start that guy if he's the, the number one back, as we saw with Jeff Wilson. All right, Chiefs-Falcons. Woo, this one was close, and the Chiefs did, as they've done all year, found a way to win this one 17-14, and we keep talking about it. The Chiefs find ways to win. Are they going to continue that trend, or do you get a little worried at some point of these Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah, I mean... 
their kicker Koo is about as good as it gets, and he missed a you know a field goal in the closing moments, or we might be singing a different song. Mm-hmm. Um, they controlled the football against Kansas City. Not that they ran the ball. Atlanta never runs the ball, but Ridley's a superstar, by the way. Just a side note. Um, I don't know what to make of the Chiefs. Are are they toying with us, and they just can turn it on whenever they want, and this is easy because sometimes they make it look easy. We're all smart enough to know that's not how the NFL works, though. Or are they just getting by? I mean, like if you if you talk to the football outsiders folks and the advanced analytics folks, those guys don't have ridiculous grades on the Chiefs. You know, like clearly the best team in the league or a historically good team. I think there's more holes here under the surface than we you know than we uh, often address with Kansas City. But I often said this through Aaron Rodgers' career, and we'll get to him too. The quarterback's just the great deodorant for these things, though. Right. No, that's a great point. And and this wasn't a thing where they were, you know, toying with the worst team and weren't too worried about it. They were slamming helmets on the sideline. They were getting frustrated, and that Falcons defense showed up as big as they have all season. And unfortunately, they couldn't score enough points, uh, which which might be the thing that bails out Kansas City. They might have a better defense than they've had in a while, too. So that that also helps them keep some things close, even if things aren't are a little maybe disjointed sometimes on offense before, you know, in games where they don't go big. Yeah. I mean, Lev Bell's kind of not really a thing and Edwards Hilaire's out right now. Their interior line. So, so their linebackers aren't great. Like you can point to weaknesses, but beating them in Kansas city. Now that they have it all wrapped up as the number one seed is going to be a chore. Absolutely. Anybody can beat anybody. So I think that's, what's going to make these playoffs. So, fun uh and i don't i'm i the one seed first of all is gonna be huge because you have a buy but i don't think the one seed teams in either league are going to be you know an unbeatable group going through the playoffs so that should be a lot of fun and the the best uh the best witness we've seen to any team can beat any team the last few weeks is those new york jets who are now pesky and are trying to hurt those cleveland browns chances at uh playoff seeding Beating the Browns 23-16. Two wins now for the Jets. We had just talked about a couple weeks ago. There are no wins on the Jets schedule. We were dead wrong, Matt. There were two wins on the Jets schedule. Who knows? Maybe there's three wins on the Jets schedule. We'll see what happens in week 17. The Jets officially will not be drafting first overall. No Trevor Lawrence in New York. We'll see what happens in the draft. But what about those Browns losing to the Jets 23-16? Yeah, and this isn't quite to the level of Detroit not having any coaches or Denver not having an NFL quarterback. But Cleveland mm-hmm. really didn't have any wide receivers, you know. But they threw the ball pretty well. I mean, shockingly, their demise on offense was they couldn't run the ball against the Jets, who are a good run defense. But still, I mean, you would think Chubb would have 100 in this game and didn't. They lost the turnover margin. And I think the Browns are a smidge overrated anyway. But I'm not going to kill them for this game. I mean, uh, they're... They're still probably going to be in the postseason. We'll talk about different postseason scenarios, I guess, later in the week. But give the Jets credit. And maybe it's the Jets fans' worst fear, though. And this might be true for the Bears and some other teams. Like, are they playing well enough to save their job? Like, I can't believe that's the case. Or 
we're just going to oh. roll it back with Darnold and, or Trubisky. You know, like yeah. those things are on the table now for some of these teams that we would have laughed at a couple weeks ago. Oh, man. There's, I've seen some Jets fans and Bears fans both uh, on the cliff, on the edge of the cliff right now on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, we keep waiting. Thinking about, and for, for Jets fans, I think not having the first pick, I think they could be talked into doing Darnold one more time and seeing what happens there and maybe even trading out and, yeah. and using draft picks. I, I think most of them would still rather go quarterback there. We'll see how that shakes out. But the Adam Gase thing is what scares them. Them, you know, winning a few games. I don't right. think that's going to happen. I don't think they have to be worried about, but maybe the Bears and Mitch Trubisky is something uh, that we might see one more time. And yeah, you're right. Playing just well enough to save some jobs is a very interesting scenario in the NFL. Um, one, we'll get to the Bears in a second. One more point on the Browns is luckily for that Cleveland offense, they've got three legit tight ends in uh, Hooper, who yeah. was their leading receiver. Harrison Bryant, the rookie, David Njoku, uh, you know, both running backs, especially Kareem Hunt's pretty good out of the backfield catching the ball. So they had weapons catching the ball. A guy named Jamarcus Bradley, who I'd never heard of before, who they'd call up from the practice squad at wide receivers. So unfortunate for them. They had enough weapons, I think, to do some things on offense. But you mentioned it. They couldn't run the ball. So I think that was probably the biggest key for the Browns against New York there. But obviously, you know, they're they're missing a bunch of players and last minute stuff. That's really hard on, on teams. And we've seen that numerous times this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I think. When we study the 2020 season, we'll probably be a little too hard on some losses at the time and be like, I don't think we realized how hard a week these teams had, you know, like the Lions right. this week or, you know, so many examples. And this is a perfect one. Uh, shout out to your boy, Frank Gore, though, third yes. guy in history to get the 1600, you know, 16,000 yards on the ground. How about that? Yeah, Huge. about 750 yards, I think, or so behind Walter Payton. Now, is Gore going to come back for another one? next year and i don't know if he would get 700 yards rushing for any team and nobody's gonna you know sign him to be their starter but uh very interesting he could he, he could conceivably end up number two overall number three overall is still crazy for frank Gore, but um yeah congratulations to him Sixteen thousand yards it's pretty nuts to see him his name up there with all the players uh best rushers in nfl history yeah him and adrian peterson still help their football team well, they do. Absolutely. He's been a big part yeah. of and look, he's not putting up huge numbers there, but he's a running back you can trust. He'll pick up blitzes. And, uh, you know, I think and he, coaches love him. Somehow he tore two ACLs in college and he is an Ironman in the NFL in, in his late 30s. <laughs> right. Like it's a, it's an absurd story, an absurd career arc for Frank Gore. How about those Chicago Bears beating up on the Jaguars 41-17? This was my lock of the week for the Jaguars to not only cover, but maybe even beat the Bears and lose that number one overall pick. I was wrong on that one, even though it was close early, but uh, the Bears opened it up in the second half, three third quarter touchdowns, another touchdown late in the fourth quarter. So um, yeah, Jaguars get blown out in this one at home, 41-17 by the Bears. And you mentioned it, Mitch Trubisky, a couple more touchdown passes, has been playing a lot better recently, as has the entire Bears offense, particularly the running game with David Montgomery. Did he save his job there? And don't look now, after that Cardinals loss, the Bears control their destiny. Might be a playoff team now. Yeah, I mean, they ran 26 more plays than the Jags, who, congrats, they have locked up Trevor Lawrence. That's a done deal. They are the number one pick in the draft, so that's a done deal. Um, the Bears, though, I would have voted for and bet it would have happened that Chicago would have a new GM, new coach, new quarterback, and none of those might happen now, and it's always the same formula. I mean, it's Trubisky playing pretty solid, not turning the ball over, making enough plays, but getting the ball to Allen Robinson and getting the ball to Montgomery, like they become a little more focused with Bill Lazor calling, you know, handling the offense and they're getting it in the right people's hands regularly. 
absolutely. That's man. The Bears, I thought it was obvious. Okay, they're making big changes, especially a quarterback. I thought Nagy might be able to stick around, but man, where they're going to be drafting, probably not going to be a big time quarterback for them in the draft. Do you just draft a second, third round guy and get a little competition, but keep Trubisky? That's going to be a fascinating one. And yeah. it's really hard He's to move not on. He's not going to be super cheap either. Right. It's really hard they're to paying. move on from a, a quote unquote playoff quarterback, you know? So that's, that's going to be a tough decision. We'll see. It got a lot tougher. I, I thought that was in the bag that there would be no Trubisky in Chicago next year, and maybe no yeah. Nagy, and maybe they both save their jobs. We'll see. And we'll talk again. We'll talk playoff scenarios yes. probably tomorrow or next day. But looks like they're going to the show. A whole bunch more games to get into here from the Sunday slate. We'll see how many we can cover today on Peacock and Williamson. You know where Built Bars really shine, and I utilized it when I traveled this week for car rides, like. Built Bars are so good for that car ride. You don't want to pull over to the drive-thru, crush a burger and fries. It's a thousand calories. Have a Built Bar in the car. 130 calories in the salted caramel flavor. 17 grams of protein. Only 4 grams of sugar. And it's that protein, not only to give you energy, it tides you over too. It's not that thing where you need to go running for a, a whole bunch more food later. You eat the snack and it tides you over. It does exactly what it should do. Oh, and it tastes... Amazing is covered in 100% actual, legit, real chocolate. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, even great for a keto diet. Go to builtbar.com. Use promo code locked on. You'll get 20% off your next order. That is builtbar.com. Use promo code locked on for 20% off your next box of built bars. We talked about the Fitz magic a little bit earlier, Matt. How about some Big Ben magic? The Steelers coming back to beat the Colts 28-24 with three second-half touchdowns and and limiting that Colts offense. I thought this one was in the bag early with the Colts' victory. And uh, no, the Steelers weren't done. They they showed some life here, which is a great sign for them as they head into the playoffs, getting a win here and and stopping that three-game losing skit. Massive for the Steelers. And frankly, and I've been kind of leaning down this road that, hey, Ben's done. This was an end of a good era. Uh, This team has no chance to beat anyone in the playoffs. This offense is in trouble. The defense is pretty banged up. And the second half has me more optimistic, at least. I would say that because they played really well. They pushed the ball down the field, which has been their biggest problem. Ben was extremely sharp when it mattered most. And sometimes you forget some of these teams are super prideful and used to winning and understand, you know, from the coach on down. Um, Indianapolis kind of collapsed. I mean, their defense didn't impress me very much. They got a, a little bit away from Jonathan Taylor. Like, I think they maybe could have ended this thing if they would just leaned on Jonathan Taylor behind Quentin Nelson in the second half a little bit more. They end up losing the turnover differential. And now they're the team on the outside looking in. Like, I never thought the Colts were in danger of a playoff, you know, not making the playoffs, and they're in massive danger. It definitely helps them that the Browns also lost their another 10-win team. But 10-5, and five, it's not a done deal. And usually 10 gets you in, especially with an extra playoff spot. But AFC's kind of crazy in that regard this year with a lot of teams in that same uh, area. So they, they do have to still... They still either need some help or have to uh, you know win, win a game next week to, to, to solidify that playoff spot, does Indianapolis. And then the late turnover by Phillip Rivers 
definitely didn't help their cause. But the thing I noticed there is, look, <laughs> Pittsburgh, it almost helped, I think. And, and maybe I'm wrong here because the Steelers, I think, identity-wise, want to be a tough team and bully you and run the ball. They kind of had to give up on running the ball because they were down. And I think that kind of helped them. And, and it's like, look, Ben, go make some plays. And you've got some wide receivers and Juju making plays and Deontay Johnson making plays. And I think in the end, it might have helped them to just say, look, okay, let's stop running the ball because we can't do it anyway. 1.4 yards per carry. Let's just chuck it. Yeah, absolutely. They, they've done that a lot this year. It's like, we're only good at one thing. Well, we're not even going to hide it anymore. <laughs> but when Ben's cold or the receivers are dropping balls, then it's an ugly mess. You know, so it's a little bit of a fine line. Deontay Johnson's open all the time. I mean, he's had a lot of drops this year, but there's times that Ben's missed him too. Like, that guy's a star in the making. He's a great route runner. Yeah, spend some time with the jug machine, or I don't know uh, if it's a concentration issue where he's trying to run it before he catches the ball. But, you know, 14 targets, 8 catches. That's not great efficiency. But, uh, yeah, you're right. The dude's open all the time. I love me some Deontay Johnson and would definitely be buying stock in him. And I know you've talked about how he's the wide receiver one, either now yes. or eventually in Pittsburgh, but he's got to start catching the ball to achieve that. Yeah, but, I mean, every week – he gets 10 to 12 targets and the next guy gets six, you know, like right. they feature him over and over and whether it works out or not, he's the one. The New York giants, giants. fall in Baltimore to the Ravens 27, 13 uh, talks about those 10 win teams. Another one joining the fray there in the Baltimore Ravens surging at a good time for them as they get close to the playoffs. Uh, did you have any big thoughts about that Ravens win over a team that, you know, they're better than clearly in the New York Giants who, you know, the Giants now on another skid after they had a nice little run in the middle of the season? Yeah, I mean, there's two nuggets to just t kind of tell you how this, this game went. They sacked Daniel Jones six times and they outrushed the Giants by 200 yards. <laughs> you know, that's just like typical Ravens way of playing football. And I think they are expectedly to be honest with you peaking at the right time they absolutely are the quote team nobody wants to see in the playoffs but i also think we need to remember the teams they've played the last couple of weeks too because some of these teams that quote gain momentum going into the playoffs sometimes just abuse bad beat up teams and i think that's where the giants have fallen back to reality that they're nowhere close to a contender even in their terrible division I am kicking myself that I didn't pick this game because I didn't see how the Houston Texans could be favored over anybody by eight points coming into this game. Eight or eight and a half is where that line closed, I think. And the Bengals not only covered that number, but won another game. They're 4-10-1 and one now, those Cincinnati Bengals, even without their star quarterback in Joe Burrow beating the Texans in Houston 37-31. Yeah, I mean... David Johnson woke up, so I think that's one positive takeaway from Houston. But I moved them all the way down to 30 in my power ranks. They're really bad. And I give Cincy credit. This is their second win in the road just to go with the Jets, too. So these bottom feeders are, you know, getting better as the season goes on, despite difficult circumstances. And, you know, they held the ball for over 36 minutes in this game. Really what I take, took away from this game was two really horrendous defenses. Yes. <laughs> yes. Horrendous. Speaking and of, speaking yeah. of that Texans defense, did you hear JJ Watts comments after the game? No, I heard. Well, I heard them indirectly from my son who basically said JJ is furious and oh. wants out and this isn't going to cut it. And I bet he's not back next year. I yeah, think there's it, a chance. It's about a two minute straight 
monologue, essentially, not answering questions. He just got up and, and walked off the, the podium after he said it. But he, he, he was basically like, look, this is not cool. This is not what the fans want to see when they tune in. Yeah. They, you know, it, it it was pretty amazing and a lot of frustration there for J.J. Watt uh, just trashing basically his entire team. I mean, not not in a way that it's like, I hate this place and I'm out of here. It was just that this is not going to cut it. This is not what we're supposed to be doing here. This is not what the fans are spending hard earned money on, uh, spending their time to come see. Yeah. And uh, it was pretty amazing to see and pretty heartfelt from J.J. Watt. And you do get the feeling that he's frustrated in a way where there's got to be enough major changes. He's got to believe in what changes do happen in the front office and the coaching staff. Or, yeah, I mean, maybe he wants to be out the door. And uh, I feel bad for those stars on that team like Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt because they do deserve better than than where they're at right now, as do Texans fans. Yeah, and Watson's not going anywhere but he might be the only star in that team next year with a bunch of youngsters and a new coach and a massive learning year without a, a first-round pick. But I know Watt's a legend. He's an all-time great Texan, all-time great defensive player, and has done things off the field for that community that can't be, you know, that you can't ever be forgotten. But if I'm Houston, if I can move him in his contract for a third-round pick to a contender, that's probably the best move for everybody. And don't look now, the, the Texans have earned the third overall pick in the NFL draft, most likely now. That after, they don't own. Yeah, that they don't have. And so the <laughs> Miami Dolphins get the third pick that they could do massive things with, either a different quarterback if they decide they want to move on from Tua, um, you know, more extra picks in trade, which I think is the route they should probably take and just continue to have future picks and future picks and just build that thing into a monster there because I do believe in Tua still and I don't know unless it's Trevor Lawrence that you're going to get a clear upgrade over Tua in the draft but they're going to have to go through that process and maybe they will find out that hey man let's just trade Tua for a second or whatever and uh, and draft this next blank because that that player could be a huge superstar for us so very interesting things to come for um, the Miami Dolphins and it's rough for Watson and J.J. Watt because they don't have a lot of resources to make that thing better anytime soon one of the biggest stories of the of the whole NFL season to me is the shakeup at the top of the draft, at the beginning of the draft. I mean, yeah. I didn't see this coming at all. I, I said it in stone. I mean, uh, Lawrence is going to be a Jet. Fields is going to be a, a Jag. Penny Sewell is going to be a Bengal. Right. And then talk to me. Right, well, exactly. No, the draft starts true. at four. And it's like, no, actually, the draft might start at two now. Right. A, a lot more fun this way. I, I will say that. Hey, how about this? Oh, I think so too. Yeah. What if Trevor Lawrence doesn't declare? What if he's like, yeah, you don't like Jacksonville all that much. I'll just stay. I'll stay in school one more year. <laughs> yeah, and that's possible. You really shake things. But I up. do. I think he's, you know, from like Lower Georgia. Like I think that's the team closest to his home. Oh, don't yeah. quote me on that. And I would imagine you hire a good coach and you tell him, hey, we got other first round picks and we're going to sign stuff. You know, like it, it could be a fun rebuild there. Yeah, you know what? That's going to be a very attractive head coaching job now, too, with all the cap space they have and uh, potentially uh, a game changer at quarterback with Trevor Lawrence. That's a good point about, uh, I think it's Fields and Lawrence both came out of the same state, right? They both came out of Georgia as high school recruits. Yeah, and they were kind of one and two back then as well. I'm almost positive. Yeah, very interesting there. Okay, so a lot of fun stuff to come this offseason, Matt. We're kind of out of time here. We've already gone over, so let's save the rest of these games for tomorrow's show and do our two-minute drill and also talk about Monday Night Football. Do you want to preview Monday Night Football real quick and and make any picks for this game, uh, Bills at Patriots tonight? I'm going to keep it short, but I think the Bills 
spank the team that has spanked them for 20 years and then just totally put their feet up next week. And uh, I, I think they destroyed the Patriots tonight. The number one seeds locked up, play loose, have, you know, maybe one of your few opportunities to step on Bill Belichick's neck a little bit in this game. They're favored by seven and yeah, and it's in New England, but you know, the home field is, is not all that right now. So that I'm with you, man. I think the bills could, but you know what? And then the more you think about it, division matchup, um, Bill Belichick's going to have something to try to limit them. But yeah, you're right. This is a, this is a, ch- a chance for the Bills to to bully the Patriots. So that's kind of what I'm expecting. But um, you never know. Bill Belichick always has something up his sleeve that might be able to keep this game close. I, I think it's a good line. Bills by seven over the Patriots. We saw the Patriots lose to the Dolphins, another team that's uh, that they've beaten for so many years in that division. I'll give it. I'll give up the points and go Bills. I like the way you you put it out there. Yeah, it's it's like okay, we're the bullies now. We're the big kid on the block now. Stick we'll it, show Patriots. the nation. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and then put our feet up and relax and yeah, maybe, deal with round one when we get to it. Yeah, maybe rest Josh Josh Allen next week. Who knows? Yeah, but, um, yeah. There's gonna be a lot of that, I think, this week or right. in week seventeen. We'll break down Monday Night Football tomorrow. We will break down the games we did not get to: uh, Eagles, Cowboys, Rams, Seahawks. Titans, Packers in prime time, Panthers, Washington, which was a game that has some playoff implications there in the NFC East, which is still not decided, which is going to go down to the wire in week 17 as well. So we'll cover all of that tomorrow. Plus your questions on the two minute drill at BD Peacock on Twitter at Williamson NFL. Talk to you then right here. Peacock and Williamson.